Let us pray. For clarity in thought, speech, and listening, we pray to you, Lord, so that we may understand and act in ways that bring glory to your name. Amen. We have had a wonderful year in the mission field. St. Paul's sent out missionaries to four mission fields away from home. The first went out to Liberia, the second to Nigeria, the third to New Orleans, and the fourth to Alabama. And at home, St. Paul's spent an active year through the various projects it supports, projects like Haven of Rest, Good Samaritan, Interfaith Hospitality Network, the Backpack Project, the Community Garden, Open M, Habitat for Humanity, and the list goes on. By now, you may know about some of the ways that St. Paul's engages with the world and may have the desire to know more. Whether you know little or more, on October 15th at 6.30, you should plan to attend the missions party. Not only for all the fun, and I assure you, I assure you there will be lots of family-friendly fun and much more. You should attend primarily because it will be an opportunity to learn about how we, you and I and all together at St. Paul's live out our Christian faith in the world. Yes, it is open to all your friends and family. And there is no charge for it either. Only a free will offering is requested. So please do RSVP before you leave today. I use the word should as I invite you to this party for a whole host of reasons. Those reasons are theological, of course, and stem from the same spirit of encouragement in Christ that Paul offers to the young church in Philippians. And I would love to have the opportunity to share with you those reasons in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Or, or you may want to join the group on Wednesday evenings that is doing the study of the book of Philippians. But today, however, I wish to share with you the authority by which we do these things in the world. I know the culture in which we live, we have developed this understanding that through education comes sophistication. And with that sophistication of thought and action, we can organize a society that can be the epitome of good. And of course, that epitome of good should then be a universally applicable state of being. Because, we believe, if it is good for us, it is good for everyone. Unfortunately, however, there are way too many problems with this approach. 
first of which is, of course, that it is kind of a cultural imperialism that asserts itself over against other cultures and declares them wrong because they are not in agreement with our ways of thinking. So we find ourselves in war, killing, and taking prisoners as we raise high the flag of freedom. Quite interestingly, a decade passed. We still miss the inherent paradox. Or maybe we don't wish to entertain the paradox. I don't know. Second, it assumes that the paths that bring us to an understanding of good are actually irrelevant to that final place of goodness, that nirvana, to use a Buddhist term, that submission, to use an Islamic term, that salvation, to use a Christian term. Hence, the final destination assumed, assumed to be universal because it is assumed that it is devoid of any influence from the road traveled to reach there becomes the place we celebrate as shared and tout as the place that needs to be the place for all of us to live happily ever after in peace. For this reason, I believe, we want to do everything possible to strengthen the moderate forces in the world particularly in the Islamic world, because those who insist on holding on to their paths to salvation, nirvana, or submission are extremist folks that the world should have no tolerance for. And of course, in so doing, we don't realize that we have just become intolerant of the extremists simply because they insist on their path and not ours. Again, a paradox that we do not wish to entertain. I could go on with my list of reasons why this unexamined view of universal good that emerges out of the sophistication of our academic temples is a problematic approach for the realization of a wholesome world. It should suffice to say that we are back to square one. We are back to the question of the chief priests and the elders. By what authority? By what authority? I pose this question for us today. By what authority do we go out in the world doing mission work? Is our authority in the notion that we should do good things for the people because good is a universally shared place to be? I'm afraid if that is our premise, then we will increasingly find ourselves in a smaller and smaller boat that we can call Ocumene. Ocumene, I should perhaps share that, is a Greek word which means inhabited world. At the root of this word is the word okio, which means to inhabit. That is how we get the word ecumenical, meaning a shared place. 
In Christian circles, it is used to speak about the shared place held by all the Christian denominations and understandings of the life and work of Christ. So, we shrink our shared inhabited world, the ocumene, when we insist on our supposedly, supposedly universal understanding of good that gives us the authority to go and act on the world stage. If I may be so bold to say, for this reason today, the mainline Protestant churches in the West increasingly find itself in diminished and strained relations with the church in the rest of the world. It is not theological issues or understanding of social issues that shrinks the ocumene, but our response to the question of the chief priests and the elders, by what authority? By what authority? I take that question very seriously for obvious reasons. I think my life is a testimony to this fact. I do not believe in a segregated, broken, divided, polarized ocumene. A church segregated, a church seeking its own little comfortable cubbyhole is a body that I believe has yet to understand this question. By what authority? So when we, the people of St. Paul's, engage with the world and go and do things in the world, we have to first engage with this question. By what authority are we doing these things? I believe that as we engage this question, we open ourselves to transformation, reconciliation, healing, and the wideness and the depth of the ocumene that Christ offers us. Yes, we find ourselves moving ahead towards the kingdom of God. If I could be so bold, we begin to find salvation. And Jesus is right. Those lowest on the scale of culturally defined ethical sophistication make it way ahead of those that guard and lay claims to rightness and proper behavior. By what authority? I think we all know the answer to this question. That is not the issue. The issue is whether in our culture today we can boldly affirm the answer that we all much like the chief priests and the elder of Jesus' time, are very well aware of. They knew the answer. We know the answer as well. And whenever we can affirm that answer in the world, we undoubtedly, undoubtedly experience transformation, healing, reconciliation, and yes, the taste of his kingdom. That's why I encourage you in Christ to come on October 15th and talk to Bill, Dave, Peter, Mary, Angela, Nan, Paul, Beth, Heather, Jerry, Daniel, David, Abby, Eric, Cullen, 
Clara, Rachel, Griffin, Chris, Jack, and experience their story of how God has transformed them as they went into the world affirming, affirming the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.